Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday's five-minute sermon, Sonny Kathy's five-minute sermon from Jesus. <laughs> Better throw that in there. Amen. Uh, excited to greet you on this kind of wet, humid, uh, cool morning in Waco, Texas. And we just want to um, minister today in the name of Jesus. Hello, Brenda Shadden. Good to see you this morning. Uh, you're the first one. You get the door prize. Uh, Sheila Kelly from Michigan. You're right behind Brenda Shadden. So here we go. Let the games begin. Robert Womack, good to see you this morning, my friend. Getting up early in the morning with our stove-up bodies and our pain. <laughs> Stanley Smith, my retired guy that gets up to watch the broadcast. Wow. You're my hero, man. Sheila, hello from Michigan. Sharon Kathy Walker's on this morning. Sharon, that's awesome that you made it on. Andy Powell, good to see you, my friend. Hope to see you soon. Hadn't seen you in a while. Tammy C. Gillespie, another one of my dear friends. Sheila Kelly, praise the Lord. Sharon Kathy Walker, good morning. Tammy C. Gillespie, good morning. Uh, pastor, friend, mentor, Jim Millsap, good morning. Janine Kathy, my beautiful bride right behind this door over here. <laughs> Amen. We're excited about life, excited about God, excited about uh, our five-minute sermons and our prayer meetings at night. Weary yet pursuing. Amen. That's uh, the motto in the uh, of of our life in the recent eight months is weary yet pursuing. Praise God. Let's coin the phrase uh, from the Bible. Amen. But we'll get kicked in here in just a minute. We'll let a couple more folks get on and uh, always watch for Sister Haney because she likes taking notes. But we're going to talk to you today about developing your sensitivity. Developing your sensitivity. Amen. And it is a development process sometimes. Some people are naturally like that. But um, Evelyn Little, good morning. Brenda Shadden prayers for Michelle Ledbetter. She was in a car wreck and broke her back, is off work from being a nurse and worried about working somehow. She needs to concentrate on uh, getting well. Amen. So folks, pray for Michelle Ledbetter today. Fonda King, good morning. My sweet lady from Paris, Texas. We got Paris well represented today. Uh, we got a couple of more seconds that we'll give everyone uh, trying to build up our live audience a little bit right now, but we'll get started. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Luke, the eighth chapter, verse 40 through 48. This is what the Lord spoke to me this morning. John Johnson, good morning. Uh, Luke 8, 40 through 48. We're going to talk about developing our sensitivity Amen. Our our ability to feel. Amen. That's what we want to talk about today. And so we're going to go ahead and get started in Luke, the eighth chapter, verse 40 through 48. I may reference it again when Sister Haney comes online, but Luke 8, 40 through 48. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him. I, I have a friend, you know, the Bible says they gladly received him, and they, for they were waiting for him. Amen. Don't you like to go into a setting like that? I have a friend, uh, he got it from other people, uh, but Mike Simons always says, I want to go where I'm celebrated and not tolerated. Amen. Think about that. You walk into a room and people go, ah, it's John Johnson, you know, or you walk into a room and they go, John, great to see you, man. That's what they did to you Sunday morning. Everybody wanted to meet the famous John Johnson, but uh, Michael Thompson, good to see you, my buddy. 
But anyway, so we, you know, Jesus said they, the people were waiting for him and they gladly received him. That's the way I want to be received. And it don't always happen that way. And that's okay. We can live with the other also. And behold, there came a man named Jairus and was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house. For he had only uh, he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. Oh, folks, do you feel that? He only had one daughter, and she lay dying. Oh, tragic. But as he went, the people thronged him. They just pressed in on him. You couldn't, he couldn't hardly move. It was, it was crowd mentality and mob mentality. Uh, they were so excited to see him. And a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, which had spent all of her living. She was now broke, spent all her living. Sister Haney, this is Luke 8, 40 through 48. Uh, Luke 8, 40 through 48. And so the woman having an issue of blood and spent all of her living on physicians, neither could be healed of any. I thank God for physicians today, but I read a scripture today about one of the kings. I think it might've been Asa uh, in second Chronicles that got sick. And the Bible says that he, he went to the physicians and did not inquire of the Lord. I love physicians. We have Raymond Wiggins that comes on here. He's a physician and I pastored physicians. Amen. But yet we need to go to God first, right? And then go to physicians. That's fine. I'm, I'm all for that. But uh, what he was saying was, trust me first, amen, and then trust the people that I put skills in their hands, amen. So anyway, uh, she had gone and spent all of her living on physicians and uh, had nothing left and came behind him in verse 44 and touched the border of his garment, barely touched his clothes, the hem of him, amen. Immediately, her issue of blood was staunched just by touching Jesus' garment. Verse 45 in Luke 8, And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they uh, that were with him said, Master, the multitude is thronging you and pressing against you. And thou sayest, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him and all the people, for what cause she had touched him and how she had was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made me made thee whole. Go in peace. Folks, every night on our prayer meeting, we we touch people and we feel that touch. Amen. People touch us. As they come for prayer, uh, we can feel virtue leaving us. I've told you on many occasions, and I'm not tooting my horn today. It's just that I have developed a sensitivity over the years that I can feel, Brother Millsap, I know what you're, t- you know, you know what I'm talking about. Jar- Jordan Gardner, you being a pastor, you know what I'm talking about. Good morning to you also. But you know what I'm talking about. And and saints of God, John Johnson knows, Haley knows. It, I, I know you know when you've prayed for somebody and you feel virtue. You uh, Maybe you don't, and you've never called it that. If you're a novice in this, maybe you're just a faith-filled Christian that hasn't studied as a minister, and yet you know when you prayed for them that God just met that need. Every night that happens on our on our Intercessors Unlimited page, every night I feel I'll be, I'll be praying for somebody with pain, and you've seen it many times, folks, 
Those of you on our prayer wall, I'll say, you ju- the pain just went away. The pain just left your body. You just got healed. And they write back immediately and say, it just left. I'm totally free from pain. Amen. What is that? Uh, I, like I say, I'm not tooting my horn, but over the years of ministry, uh, like these other ministers have done, I have developed a sensitivity to the needs of people. And when I pray for them, I can feel most of the time. Now, sometimes I, I really am sure they got healed and they didn't. But most of the time, when I feel that somebody got healed, I, you can almost go to the bank with it. They got healed because just like Jesus, we can say, who touched me? I can't, I don't see you out in the crowd. I see your names pop up and all that, but I don't see you out in the crowd. You see me, but yet I can feel when virtue has left and somebody has been touched. Being sensitive. That's what we're talking about today. Developing your sensitivity. Amen. Being sensitive, how vital it is. We go through life without a clue sometimes of the needs around us. We get so focused on our own needs that we miss out on on uh, uh, needs around us. I mean, I'm pretty focused on needs around me, but there are times when I'm on a mission. Like when I pastored, I, I was on a mission to go get a table in a Cracker Barrel one night, and Cracker Barrel's so crowded, you can't hardly get in. So I rushed in there, man, as fast as I could rush, and I had a bunch of church people. We had about 20 people, and I wanted to get to the front of that line if it hair-lipped hell. Amen. I'm getting to the front of that line. And so I rushed up there to to the line and walked past this guy and he and I made contact. Our eyes met and and he didn't know me and I didn't know him, but our eyes met and something spoke to us. I know it did. There's there's a minister of God. There's a man of God, whatever. But I rushed on to get that table. I had my focus. In a few minutes, Fred Orta came up to me and he said, did you see Jonathan Suber? And I said, what? No. He said, Jonathan Super. I said, what was he wearing? And he told me. And, and I said, oh, my goodness, man. We made eye contact. I had wanted to meet Jonathan Super. I'd heard a lot about him. He's a great prophet of God, pastor, minister. And I'd wanted to meet him for a long time. And I, in my haste of, of not being sensitive, I rushed on past him. And we ran out onto the parking lot. And he was pulling out as I ran out there. It was years later that I met Jonathan Super, And since then, we've been in many meetings together and uh, know him. He's a good friend. Uh, we don't hang out all the time. He's in Austin. I'm here, uh, but I've gone to lunch. And we Anyway, we've had a good time together, but I, I, t- I preach a message sometime, the Jesus that I almost met. Amen. And I base that on my conference or my almost meeting Jonathan Suber. I told him when I first met him again, I said, you know, I almost met you one day. Friend, you don't want to almost meet Jesus. If you almost meet Jesus, that means you didn't meet him at all. And we need to we need to be meeting Jesus, committing to Jesus, serving Jesus. We don't want to almost meet him, but we want to talk about uh, creating a sensitivity in our lives to not run past miracles, to not run past people that we are destined to meet. Abraham Mammon, good to see you. I don't know if you're in Dubai or India or United States or where, but good to see you. Isu Karki from Nepal, good to see you guys from overseas, from international ministries. I have always been an observer and I've always wanted to know everybody's story. Why? Because I want to minister to them. When I do a pain estimate, I'll walk into the room and I'll look at military pictures or something and I'll strike up a conversation and boy, you have people's undivided attention when they know you care. Somebody said, 
that people don't know don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Amen. And they can sense it. People are not stupid. They know when you're faking it until you make it. And they know when you really care. You might say, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, I've never met anybody greater than you. That's called being obsequious. That means you are giving flattery and flowery remarks, but you really don't mean it. Uh, I brag a lot on people. I love bragging on people, but I mean what I'm saying. I mean it, Stanley, when I say you're a blessing to us, and we love you on our broadcast, and we're so thankful we met you. Dale Smith, I mean it when I say that about you. John Johnson, I mean it, man. Terry Pilot, amen, I mean it. Uh, Abraham Mammon, when I say, man, this is a great musician. Terry Pilot, right above you on our feet out, is a great musician. Amen. And I mean that. But I don't want to flatter people. I don't want to just give empty, obsequious remarks just to get you on my side and to manipulate you. But we've got to be sensitive. The guy, there was a guy one time in the compass and and another, uh, he was a traveler. He had retired. I don't know. He had money from somewhere because he was all over the place around the world, just sightseeing. And uh, so I thought, this dude's rich somehow. But he, he was kind of standoffish and kind of a little strange to me because I'm Mr. Personality. You know, I'm an extrovert. And he was an introvert. And I met this guy. This guy came in from Ghana. Uh, his name was Epaphras Bofu. And and uh, and so this was many, many years ago when the Compass Bookstore was here in Waco. And within five minutes, I knew his tribe that he came from in Africa. I knew all of his siblings' names. I knew when his parents died. I knew everything about him. And this guy walked up to me almost rudely and said, man, that was kind of nosy, you know. You talking to that guy and finding out all his information. I said, listen, I care for people. I want to know their story. I want to enter into their life and, and care for them. And the more I know about them, the more I can care for them and the struggles that they go through. And this guy opened up to me when he heard that. And he said, I wish I could be like that. He wound up giving me a 2,000-year-old widow's mite coin that I still have in my billfold today uh, that was here when Jesus walked the earth because he appreciated me after that. Amen. But listen, listen to this. Uh, we want to develop our sensitivity discipleship and development are the keys to the kingdom of God. Jesus had this roving Bible college of 12 disciples teaching them on-the-job training how to heal, how to deliver, how to set free, how to win the lost, how to care for people. He taught them on the job. And so we, as on this earth today, we are the body of Christ. We are the legs of Jesus, the arms of Jesus. He's the head, we're the body. And so we are supposed to develop discipleship in people and develop sensitivity in them. I got a couple of stories I want to tell you before we close today. Uh, Gene Bowles, uh, who was my boss in the Air Force, when I pulled up on that Air Force Base in 1979 at Barksdale Air Force Base in Bossier City, Louisiana, I had, I think it was a 1972 Coupe DeVille Cadillac, royal blue. It was a beautiful car. And I pulled up to that, no stripes, uh, maybe had one stripe, but I pulled up to that, my, my new job in the Air Force, my first job after tech school. I pulled in there in this big, long Coupe DeVille Cadillac, me and my sweet little wife, and pulled in there and all of my bosses and everything were standing outside the door smoking. And, uh, and we just, we, I pulled up there and they saw this Cadillac come out and, and thought, who is this guy? You know, and I pull out and I'm the new, the newest, lowest rank hiree 
in the Air Force at that shop and walked up there and they looking at me up and down like, what are you doing in that big old Cadillac? And uh, it was only seven years old and it was clean. And, and uh, so I met them. But eventually my, my immediate boss, Roby, he left and, uh, and Gene Bowles came to be my boss. Uh, uh, an Arkansas boy, a man, uh, I think from uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. And Gene came to be my boss, and and uh, he was serious business. He was a serious boss, and he did his job. He did it well. He expected a lot out of us. He weighed about 140 pounds soaking wet, and uh, he doesn't anymore, but he did then. And uh, so Gene, Gene uh, I began to talk to him about the Lord. I just, I mean, when he came, I was lost. When he came to be my boss, I was I was terrible. I, that was in the heathen days. But he saw me get saved, and he watched my life. And, and, and I witnessed to him, and I taught him and his wife a Bible study. And they and Gene eventually got the Holy Ghost, and I baptized him in the lovely name of Jesus, which I don't even have to say that because that's the only name uh, that you need to get baptized in. Amen. But, but anyway, Gene received the Holy Ghost, and, I, and he, it, he's my boss, right, on the Air Force Base. He barked out the orders and he uh, told me what to do. But when we got off work, I was his. I was his discipler. I was his mentor. And he followed me around and, and learned the Bible from me. And, and uh, he was a Christian. I mean, as far as, you know, what he had repented of his sins and all uh, at one point in his life. But he wasn't, as far as I remember, walking with God. And he did not have, he had not received the Holy Ghost yet, had not been baptized yet. Uh, but anyway, Gene began to follow me around and I would take him off to places and we would go pray for people. And one day our, uh, our Colonel's secretary was one uh, door over from us. She wasn't our boss's secretary, but she worked for second bomb wing commander, I believe. And, uh, or eighth air force, some higher up. And she was very proper and prim and, and just, uh, the uh, epitome of ex of, of the eloquence, eloquence and, uh, it took everything she could. She was in a denominal religion that really didn't believe in miracles and all or didn't participate in them. She walked into my office and I had tracks lined up across my desk on how to get saved and my radio was playing Christian music and people would fill up my office every day to hear about God and say, man, this is just a place of refuge from my job. I just love coming here. I feel such peace here in your office. And Gene's my boss, but now he's a convert and I'm mentoring him. And so he's all for it, man. Whatever Sonny Kathy wanted to do, uh, I could do. And so uh, this colonel secretary walked over there and it took everything she could take. She said, you know, my daughter is a school teacher and she was like in the choir at church and very involved. And she said she has not gone anywhere. I think it was for like two years. She quit her job. She could not go to church. She got this fear of getting out of her house. Now I know there's a medical term for this, but hers was a spiritual problem. And so I asked her because I was sensitive. I asked her mother, what was she doing just prior to this having taken place in her life because she was outgoing. She taught school. She went to church and now she could not leave the house. A beautiful young lady. And and I was younger than her then. I was a kid back then, uh, or maybe 20, 21 years old. And, and this colonel secretary said, well, she went to New York, flew to New York to help a friend of hers who had lost her mind, literally lost her mind. And I said, there it is. That devil that took over her friend in New York has followed her back to Louisiana and it's tormenting her. And that's what the problem is. 
can we come pray for her? And this colonel's, she was desperate for her daughter. So she said, come pray. So Gene followed me over there, Ben, you know, just like a little kid. Uh, he followed me over there to, uh, by the way, he wound up pastoring churches after, after he left the Air Force. I left the Air Force. He wound up being a pastor and we're still good friends. We don't see each other, but we're good friends on Facebook. And, uh, he, he became a pastor after that. I'm so excited and proud about that. But, uh, Anyway, Gene, you know, I wanted to disciple Gene and get him sensitive to prayer. And so, Gene, I said, Gene, you lay hands on her. We're in this colonel's house. This girl's scared to death for us to even be there because she scared everybody, scared of everything. And her mother, it goes against all of their religion. I mean, but they're desperate. They're desperate. There are desperate people in our world that are willing to go against their religion, their, what they were taught to get a real miracle from somebody that really believes. So I told Gene, I said, Gene, lay hands on her. And boy, he was shaking. He was scared and trembling. And he reached over and laid hands on her and closed his eyes. And he's, oh, Jesus. Oh, 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 Jesus. You know, that's all he could say. And he was just shaking like a leaf. And next thing he knows, there's nothing under his hand. And we, we both opened our eyes and we looked down in the floor. And there lay that girl in the floor, delivered she fell to the floor and her mother is like, dear God. And and this girl's laying on the floor and Jean's like standing there and looking down at her like, where'd she go? And she's laying in the floor. She went back to work, became a school teacher again. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, folks. She went back to church, totally delivered from the enemy that was tormenting her in the spirit of fear. We need to develop our sensitivity Night after night in our prayer meetings, John, we are feeling the touch of God. When people are getting healed, we're feeling it. We know they got healed. We know they got touched. We know their marriages are getting better. Amen. Night after night, we are developing our spiritual surgical skills, Brother Millsap, to get more sensitive. We operate in the spirit. Not in the operating room of like Raymond Wiggins does. Amen. He operates in both rooms. He operates in the spiritual room and he operates in the, in the physical surgical operating room, the OR. But we operate, amen, in the spirit and healings come and employment is secured and families are drawn closer and we feel it because our sensitivity levels are developed. Amen. We are discipling an army of prayer ambassadors and and five minuters that are, amen, that are falling in love with Jesus and people more and more every day. Amen. I, I want to close with this final statement, and i got to hurry. J.T. Pugh was a great pastor in Odessa, Texas. Brother Millsap and I both knew him, uh, but he we just wonderful man of God and uh, powerful, great teacher. And uh, one day he took his son, Terry, who now pastors that church in Odessa, and he's an older man now, uh, older than me, um, probably about 10 years or more. And Terry Pugh pastors that great church, but he took him as a young preacher into the hospital. And I'll never forget this. J.T. Pugh said he walked in there and he told Terry Pugh, his son, he was mentoring him. He was showing him how to operate in the ministry and in the spirit of God. Because uh, many times we're not educated as preachers. Marvin Sanguinetti's on here. 
And like I said yesterday, he promotes education and I'm with him on that. And because he's doing that, he's doing that because many times the majority of us are not educated. We simply pick up our Bible and go to preaching. I'm not against that. If you don't have the opportunity to go study and all that, that's you can self-study. And But if you have the opportunity to go uh, in a formal study, that's awesome too. Uh, but anyway, uh, J.T. Pugh said, son, as these doctors all walked by with their stethoscopes around their neck, he said, son, I want to tell you something. You, you, they're there to pray for somebody. He said, you may be intimidated by this. He said, you have these doctors here with all their degrees and they've worked hard like Raymond Wiggins and they've got these degrees and they save lives. And, 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 uh, and he said, son, you may be intimidated by this because you're in their territory. You're here and all they know is death. They deal with death every day. And he said, but son, we live and deal with life. The preachers of the gospel deal with life. He said, so we walk in to a room where death is hovering over and we lay hands on people and they live. And he said, don't be intimidated by all of these machines and all of these doctors and all of this education and all these things that are around here. He said, because son, you're a preacher of the gospel and you deal in life. Amen. Develop your sensitivity. What is the greatest, if you ask Raymond Wiggins today, Raymond, what is your greatest fear as a medical surgeon, as a doctor and a, and a, dent, a dental surgeon? What is your greatest fear? I think we would hear Raymond say, uh, you know, outside of losing your mind, amen, uh, the greatest fear would be to lose the nerve endings in these fingertips, amen. Uh, this morning, I dropped my whole bottle of pills, little tiny pills on the floor because my hands seem to not be as sensitive as they used to be. I can't grab things like I used to grab them and hold on to them. I drop a lot of stuff lately. I, I'll spill a glass. I'll, you know, whatever. My brother says I've always done it. He says if a glass, he said I can look at a glass of water and it'll fall over. <laughs> That's what my brother David said. And Brother Millsap knows David and how he likes to harass me. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? Raymond would say the worst thing that could happen to me would be to lose my surgical skills. You know, if Raymond or some doctor went blind today, I bet they could still operate. You hear me? I bet if they were taking an appendix out, you could open them up and that doctor would stick his hands in there and feel that appendix and be able to cut that appendix out blind, but he couldn't do it with that feeling in his fingers. He's got to have sensitivity in his fingers. Folks, let's grow in sensitivity. Let's grow in the needs of people. Let's don't get distracted by our own needs, our own desires, our own wants. We can have all that too. We take care of our families. We, we're not oblivious to... Uh, I've seen people neglect their families and their families go to hell because they're sensitive to everybody else but their families. Amen. So I'm telling you, we can be sensitive to everything around us. I, I love Jesus so much today. Folks, I'm falling in love with Jesus more and more every day because of you, because I get the privilege of ministering to you Monday through Friday. And even on the weekends, people are writing me and I'm praying for people. Monday through Friday at 8 in the morning and 8 p.m., we are developing our sensitivity and praying for people. Oh, I hope you get this today. I hope you. I hope this is anointed for you today. I got to close. It's 27 minutes into our broadcast, our five-minute sermon. <laughs> I've been lying to you for eight months. I they preached a five-minute sermon yet. But hit share on your wall right now for all of the you that are still live. Hit share on the wall right now and share this. I'm not able to end my video. I don't have a clue why I can't. Uh, and I complain to you every day about that, but there's no end button. 
so uh, share this on your wall to make sure that we can save it. And I love you. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for these wonderful people that, God, you would touch and move in every life. Keep your hand on them today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Love you. See you tonight at 8 p.m. by the grace of God.